نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio.
other question is that AIDS is a sexual transmitted disease and is visited upon the black, the white, or particularly who is AIDS here for? It's a world. I think it's when blacks start thinking that it's not for them, they have a serious problem. When blacks start thinking because they're black, that they're except from the sin. The sin of it comes from Leviticus. If you go to Leviticus chapter 20, in the 31st verse, it tells you where the sin comes in. It reads, age. If a man also lies with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Deuteronomy 28, 17, Judges 19, 22. What are we talking about here? When we say that a man should not lie with mankind, we're saying one man should not lay up with another man as if he's laying up with a woman. Homosexuality is a sin punishable by death, according to the scriptures. And the sin, the Lord says, will be in the blood. Now, how is AIDS transmitted mostly, not by sexual contact any longer, moreover, by blood transfusion? And what sin does it come from? This sin goes all the way back to when Canaan looked upon the nakedness of his father, goes to the same chapter, chapter 18 of Leviticus. And the Lord, or the Sustainer, said unto Musa, alayhi salatu wa salam, Moses, saying, Speak unto Bena Israel, speak to the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am Adonai Elohim, or Yahweh Elohim. I am the Lord thy creator. All right? Now what did he say? After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. Don't do the things that you learned while you was in Egypt, Israel. Don't act where those people did not have any laws on male and female homosexuals. Don't forget, it's Caesar and Mark Anthony and them, homosexuals from Rome, homosexuals from Greece, invaded and mixed into the culture. And in fact, when you look at the average Egyptian today, when you look at light-skinned or male Egyptians, you're not looking at the original Eswanese you're not looking at the original Nubians. You're looking at Greek invasions. When you look at most of the men reciting the Quran today from Judges Baptism, who have mixed their genes, they have mixed with Greeks. And Greeks are no homosexual society, historically. Don't pick up the things or the habits that you learned while you were in Egypt. And, go ahead. And after the doings of the land of Canaan. And don't pick up the things that you learned when you lived with those Canaanites, who also indulged in all forms of bestiology, having sex with animals in caves and such. Then it goes on, Whether I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinance. Don't keep their ways. Don't walk in their ways. Go ahead. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinance. You shall do what I pass off as law, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and you shall walk in my way. Sunnati. To walk therein. I am the Lord, thy creator. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, 
which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord, thy creator. Heal. He makes a mistake. Then he goes on to tell you what not to do. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to what? To uncover their nakedness. Uh-huh. I am the Lord, thy creator. If you go back to Genesis 9, go back to Genesis 9, Instead of going to 25, go before 25. Let's say Genesis 9, 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Now, it's not most, Ham, may have kin. And was it not forbidden, according to Leviticus 18, for him to look upon the nakedness of his father, to uncover him? Let's see what it says after that. Or before it is back. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And what did they do? And Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Notice that they came in and they covered nobody. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just make fun of it or make a joke out of it? or entertain wicked thoughts. This was a part of the law, the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the book of Leviticus, because it's set in position after the book of Genesis, that is not how it was revealed. You follow? So now go on and see what he says. None of ye shall approach to any that is near akin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. at your name. I am the creator of it all. He makes a sin for men to look at naked bodies of other men. And especially for the near of kin, for one man to look at another man's body. For Ham to have been his first father naked, he should back in not looking and did what his other brothers did, covered up his nakedness. Go on and see what it says. The nakedness of thy father, or the nakedness of thy mother, shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. You see? This is the same quote that if we continue on into it, will tell you that it is a sin. This is 18. Go back to 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself. In Egypt, men and men slept together. And in Canaan, they slept with animals, with beasts, bestiology. So here in Leviticus is giving you the format that they gave you in the beginning of Leviticus chapter 18, where they told them, and after the doings of the land of Egypt, which is like 22, for man not to lie with another man as if the woman, then it says the doings of the land of Canaan. And then what the next one says, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusing. So it tells you that when the Amorites or the Jebusites, Rizal Tabatananites, was in the mountain, they laid with beasts. As we said, bestiality, the Bible says it. And when in Egypt, the people of ancient Egypt, who got influenced by the Greeks, performing all forms of homosexuality. Then he goes on to tell you that this is a sin, and as we read on, what does it say? Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. See that? And who the nation that he cast out before you? The sons of Canaan, whom he took out of the land of Canaan. Right? Because he right. says in Genesis 24, 
says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, That rule over all he had, I pray thee, thy hand upon thy thigh. Thou in Hukku, which is a symbol of humbleness. And then what did he say? And I will make thee swear by the sustainer, the creator of the heaven, and the creator of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. You hear that? He was telling him not to marry amongst the Canaanites, but to marry amongst his own family. Not to mix thy seed with the Canaanites. Go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob, and blessed him, and charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Again, he is telling the family of Abraham not to marry into Canaan. So we have brought these plagues and diseases, sickness, gonorrhea, herpes, and now the spread of AIDS because we're violating the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his statutes and his standards. We're indulging in all forms of homosexuality. We're indulging in all forms of bestiality, fornication, abomination, and we're bringing the wrath down upon ourselves. Don't let a homosexual tell you that nowhere in the scripture has it been declared that it's a sin to be homosexual. I just read to you in the book of Leviticus where it says it is a sin for a man to lie with a man. This is a sin. This is where age is certain. It's not just sexually transmitted. Transmitted through the blood like Leviticus just said. You understand? Your world is at a point where it's about to destroy itself and all y'all can think about is the next record you're going to buy. The next party you're going to go to. You're going to learn, get in here and learn that Arabic language and learn how to pray and to transform yourself from mortal to immortal and stop jiving because you don't have the time you think you have. You're going to stop wasting time. The spirits are descending. There's demons walking the earth with you every day. They just call themselves punk rockers and they're nothing but demons incarnate. They don't put on that makeup. That's how they look. I'm serious. They didn't put the thoughts in white kids' heads so they can start their hair up in the end, all kind of weird things, where you won't know the real demons from kids emulating them. It's a serious thing out there. They spread diseases. I'm telling y'all that there is no cure for diseases of death. Men in that room know what I'm talking about. Especially you men who can't control yourself. It sees every woman as somebody you should lay up with. They got diseases out there that will kill you dead. You know the sad thing about it? Every woman you meet, you don't know who she laid up with. If this ain't the same woman you've been known for seven years, you take a test. Because she don't know if the guy she was laying up with was a homosexual six years ago and became a man because he saw the right movie. You don't know. And this is what you're left out there to marry. And I go for the women also. You don't know which one of those guys was a, a homosexual six years ago, and now in age starts, he straightens up. He was a closet princess six years ago. Now all of a sudden, he's macho man. You don't know if he got AIDS living inside his system. Do you? Do you know? Only people you can count on are the people that you've been laying up with for six years. And how old would that make the average one of you brothers? How old? If you have the same one for six years, the average one of y'all would be at least in his late 20s, correct? You should be at least. Anybody under that, you better be careful. 
and they ain't even trying to find a cure for it. Don't fool yourself. Because they created it. AIDS didn't fall out the sky. AIDS was created. AIDS is a conspiracy. During warfare, they got loose. He wasted time. I don't know what to say behind that. No, um, my, my question uh, relates to uh, chronology in the Bible. And uh, I'd just uh, like you to clarify some of the... Um, uh, the dates regarding BC, AC, ACD, BCE, and uh, things of that nature. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, where when they quote a date and they, and they say BC, they say they'll, they'll write uh, 1056 or 1056, and as the numbers descend, it's my understanding it's getting closer to the what they call the AD era. Now, just for uh, for clarification, really, I mean, how how do we decipher? How do I decipher these? Uh, uh, these dates and, and, and get a clear understanding of what's happening here with this BC, ACD, and so on. What the Romans and the Greeks did who were ruling the world at the time, right? They did not believe in Christ, as they call it, yet they used his birth date as the date one. See the contradiction? They yes. didn't believe it. When they say AD, Anno Dominus, yes. right, they mean after the death of Jesus. When they say BC, they mean before Jesus was born. When they say BCE, they say before the Christ is era. The Christ era means before the book of Daniel and Isaiah wrote about a Messiah coming. That's BCE. Okay. AH is when you get past Jesus up until 570 years after him when Muhammad was born. Okay? And then in the year 622, he established a new calendar, which was the AH calendar based on him migrating from Mecca to Medina. And they call that the AA calendar. That's a lunar calendar. So you end up with like three different calendars. You have the Judaic calendar from Adam all the way down to Isaiah, Daniel, and them. When a new period came in, they instituted a new kind of calendar. It went down to Jesus. When Jesus was there, the Romans took and made a new calendar and went back up to Isaiah and them about the crisis era. So you end up with, again, Adam's calendar, which would be from the birth of the prophet Adam all the way down to now. That stays the same. Is that 1,988? So 1,988 would be 1,988 years from Jesus, who became the year one, which was 4,000 years from Adam. I follow you. Okay? So that puts us 5,000. I'm sorry. Short. We're very close to 6,000 years. So if we came straight down from Adam, it would be 6,000. Where we base it around the Roman calendar, start from Jesus, it only becomes 1,988. They did all this with it hopes to confuse us. Okay. Uh, one other thing uh, re- regarding uh, the A.D. It says uh, on the back of this Bible here, it has a, a listing, a chronology, and uh, it has Jesus born in A.D. 7. I'm looking for it here as I'm speaking. And at the same time, at the, uh, at the, uh, it has a B.C. 4, I think it says. Let me get it right here. Right. The reason why, right, Jesus now, was born, you're right, in 7 A.D. Yes. And the reason why they say B.C.E. 4 is because certain churches believe Jesus was born in the year 4 because they didn't do the calculation of the death of Herod. Had they did the calculation from the death of Herod and when Jesus had returned back from Egypt when Herod died, right. they'd be able to calculate that he was born in the year 7. But when they just came along, they first said he was born in the year 2. Then they said, well, they prove it could have been 2 by the eclipse because they said they saw the star, and that was, you know, an eclipse, but it must have been 4 when they had an eclipse, and it comes down to be 7 A.D. He was born 7 years after he was dead, according to them. Yeah, right. That's, 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 that's what I found. 
kind of confused. Yeah, yeah. well, it makes me confuse you because here's what they do. Yeah. They say Jesus was born one. I watch this close. He was born one what? B.C. One before he was born, or one A.D. One after he was dead. They didn't know. So they got an area running between 4 B.C. and 7 A.D. They got almost 12 years caught up in there. They don't even know because they did not go to Egypt, find out in Egypt when Jesus arrived there with his mother and father, how long they stayed in Egypt, and then they came back to register at the ledgers in Jerusalem because it was time for the preparation of Passover. They had people, the census, make a ledger. So they would have got the date that he had got back in. They could have timed that by the date that he left as a baby, and they would have knew how old he was. They would have knew what year he was born, which comes out to be seven. They have another listing here, A A U C. Then they have the word uh, uh, the year 750. Uh, it says the following table made and making matters clear. I don't I don't see how they can write that. Which means they created their own table to clear things up. The following table is made. They so it's like them saying, okay, according to our Greek version of it. This is what we got. In, in just a minute, please. Uh, but they have here this A U C as uh, Anos Urbis Condinus, or something of that matter. It's, it goes to Latin on you yeah. and say that this is before Jesus' conception. That's what they mean. Okay. But then they argue about the nine months that Mary was pregnant. They, they get into things like the date of conception or the date of birth, the day when he was actually delivered, or the day that he was conceived. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know, like I said, because they won't take the simple message. They won't trace his life. And that's because they don't want to find out. They really don't want to find out when Jesus was born. Because it contradicts their doctrine. So then the true calendar would be Adam's calendar, is that That correct? would be the true calendar, calculated from Adam straight down. So uh, that would put us in the year 5,988. That's right. Okay, thank you. Um, is it sort of like a man's goal to become perfect? as Adam was in the beginning? Or is that is that's not possible? That depends on what you mean by perfect. You know, so it does tell us in the Quran that we are supposed to aspire to become balahim. That we should work to perfect ourselves and excel people in our haq, which is reality and our sabr and to be patient. It tells us to work for sabr happy to make ourselves perfect beings, right? But that is only so we can prepare ourselves for the transition from human nature back into an angelic state. Because this is what Adam was originally, an angel. This is what Jesus said he was originally, that I came down from heaven. And that's where I'm going back to. He had descended down, and I'm going up. Jesus was an extraterrestrial. Christians just are trying to make him a god of earth, and he was telling them all the time, my spirit came from another dimension. You can call it what you want. He said, those are the earthly, are earthly, and those are the spiritual, and spiritual. Those from up there, from up there, and those from down there, from down here. Down here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us through the guidance of his prophet, mainly the seal, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to try to be, to perfect the way we live. And Jesus said right before Muhammad that the first stage of that is to learn to love one another as I love myself. We as people got to learn to love each other the way we love ourselves and then we can start to perfect the way we live but our goal or I should say your goal is to become angelic beings again by the time you reach the next realm you should have transformed yourself from a mortal to an angel Luke 20:36 will tell you that neither can they die anymore for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God 
being the children of the resurrection. He didn't talk about at that resurrection. Jesus talked about, and remember, he said he is the resurrection, correct? And even in Islam, we're taught that Father Rasulullah Muhammad, after Rasulullah Muhammad comes, then the Messiah Jesus will come at the end of the world to save the world. That's what it says in Islam, it teaches that. Muslims try to hide that. And it tells you when that resurrection state comes, man is going to have a transformation period. He'll never die again. He'll be transformed from mortality into immortality. You will become angels again. My whole doctrine is like the doctrine of the Essenes. The Essenes study the nature of the angels. I am trying to teach you all to take yourself from this stage of human nature to the next stage, the angelic being, so you can make that transition. This is what it's called for. If you don't, those that are mortal will go down with the world. Those that are spiritual will make the transition from this state to the next. The hardest thing is to try to get y'all across the bridge of mortality over into immortality because you love the things of this world so much. And the things that I'm trying to give y'all are not of this world. They're from the Father. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And I am now trying to put that Father that's in me inside you so that you'll be in the Father and that we all will be one in the Father. And then you will enter back into the domain of heaven. Without that, you are earthborn, and you will be cast into a lake of fire and sulfur with the devil because you love him and you love his image and you bow to the things that he offers you as opposed to the things that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us. And the thing that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us is salvation through love. And we cannot be individuals and love. Love is an outflowing force. And it has to interlock between beings. Everybody in that room has got to learn to love each other as much as they love themselves. you got to be able to look in your brother's eyes when you talk to them so that you have a sincere expression. you got to learn to feel people from inside out. you got to learn to care again. And that will be the first stages of suppressing your mortality. It is your mortality, your mortal being, your physical being that renders you such a carnivorous, self-centered, egotistical creature. But it's the Almighty who put his breath in us. In the beginning, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he blew into man of his spirit, or he said the word became flesh, and he put the spirit into man, that was angelic energy that is dormant in you. All I've come to do is to turn that light back on and let that light become the life in man so that when I see you, I see the prophets. And when I see the prophets in you, I see the angels. And when I see the angels and the prophets in you, I see the heavenly father manifested in you. And that will only be out of your love because it's out of his love for us. It's out of his love for the world that he keeps sending men into the world to try to teach you. It's only because he loves you that he sends his sons down to earth that they could suffer and some even die for you so that you could be saved. That's called love. You have got to learn to sacrifice. That's what it tells you. When hard, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Inna Asinak al Kautar, Fasalli Rabbika when hard, Inna Shani Akal Huel Abatar, Inna Asinak al Kautar, surely Asinak, we have given you al Kautar, your cup is running over, abundant, Fasalli Rabbika when hard. So worship is Lirabika for the sustainer of the boundless universe. When her and sacrifice.
Surely, after that, we have given you El Kautar. Your cup is running over, abundant. But suddenly, the Rafika went hard. So worship is the Rafika for the sustainer of the boundless universe. Went hard and sacrificed. And you know what? All those evil things will be Abatar. Cut away from you. They will not be able to touch you. So it's only by you people learning the true art of love and concern and consideration and appreciation for each other. When you touch a person's hand, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you look at a person's eyes, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you redevelop this, you're on the stage of transforming from mortality to immortality. As long as you're an individual living in your cubby hole in some part of the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, or Queens, feeding your face and caring about yours and yours alone. When you see a bum on the street, you're supposed to give to that bum because that bum is really you. And remember, we have sent angels to you many times in many forms. And a lot of times, an angel walks up to you in the form of a bum to see how compassionate you are in heart. And you say, get away from me. All you're going to do is buy some whiskey. Who are you to make that decision that he's going to buy some alcohol with it? The Almighty sends angels to you to test your compassion. You understand? Salaam alaikum. Um, Mami, what was the fifth veil that Michael the Archangel was under? They're speaking about the plague that would come at the end of the world. Each veil holds one of the vials of the seven major plagues. All right? Mikhail is called the fifth because Jesus, as it was like Jesus, let me run it down. Adam, one. Right? Noah, two. Abraham, three. Ishmael or Isaac, doesn't make a difference, four. Moses, five. Jesus, six. Muhammad, seven. Each one of those are the seven major prophets. Each one of them represents one of the seven major seals of the book of Revelation because each one of them brought a revelation to the world. The reason why I liken Michael to five is because in the book of Daniel, Michael is a warring angel that defends all Israel. You follow that? Can you repeat that once again? You have seven major prophets from Adam to Muhammad, uh -huh. and you know their names. Yes. Moses is the fifth. Yes. In the books of Daniel, whenever they speak about the angel Michael, he's always associated with the children of Israel as a defending, warring angel, the head of the archangel. You understand? I understand? That's the fifth veil. Then after that, Jesus came. Michael did not come with Jesus. Gabriel did. And then after Jesus came, Michael was sent to signify the teachings through John. The father of Jesus. So everybody would think that Michael was Jesus when he came, but he wasn't. He said, Jesus said, I'm sending my angel to you. He said, in Michael to represent. Because that's, they were expecting Jesus to be a warring angel to smash Rome and put Israel on top. And he didn't do that. Okay? Okay. Salaam alaikum. Shukran. Well, I have a question. In terms of a um, person's soul... How do you strengthen your soul? The thing about the soul and being strengthened is a very strange kind of question, believe me. It's a good one, though. Because in the Bible, in Genesis, we got to acknowledge that the soul we have came from the Heavenly Father. We really can't strengthen the Heavenly Father. We can increase the amount of its presence in our body by decreasing the amount of things that we worship and desire. Because he said, I blew in demand of my spirit and man became a living soul. You see what happened? Mm -hmm. So he took a physical body 
and blew his spirit in it, and it developed his emotional body, which we interpret as soul. Then what we did, once we became a being that had body and soul, we started taking in impressions from a wicked being that stimulated our desire center and made us desire more things of this world than the world to come. And that's why Jesus kept saying, my things are not of this world. Start looking for the next world. But a way to strengthen the present is not by strengthening it, it's by increasing it, by increasing the divine in you, the good that you do. And every time one of us gets close together, there's twice the presence of the mm -hmm. Most High. And that's how. Mm -hmm. We are strength. And the more of us that get together, the more powerful we are. Like I said, we tore down the walls of Jericho just out of our unity to see which men are developing the discipline necessary to regain the right to be in the presence of the Most High. So when they say it's a spiritual growth, the spiritual growth is coming from the discipline, being able to have access to food but don't eat it, mm -hmm. to have access to a loving wife and don't have sex, mm -hmm. to be thirsty and don't drink water. You know why? Because these are the gifts of the Father. All the other stuff they add in was the devil when they say that Muslims don't smoke in Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Muslims don't smoke at all. You know, they don't smoke in Ramadan. Then they have another super witness Sunni say, and don't use foul language in Ramadan. Muslims ain't never supposed to use foul language. How are they going to use that? So the devil always gets in there. You see what I'm saying? So Ramadan is, it is a focal point on the physical part of man, for man to show that he loves and will obey the creator up and above his own desires. That is a point of Ramadan. Yeah. Man. Um. My other question is, in terms of the, the spiritual discipline, how do you go about it? Where do you start? We've had time. I, I remember um, another question that I asked about a year ago in terms of my aura. Um, I've never seen it as strong as I saw it at that one point, and I still haven't learned how to control it. Okay. In a hospital, I usually think that you have to see them. In a hospital, if I walked up to you and you were bleeding, mm -hmm. now you're bleeding, and I walk up to you in a suit and a tie, a black suit, white shirt and tie, and I say, uh, give me a needle and thread. I want to sew this lady up here. What would you say? No. You say, wait a minute. Are you a doctor? Mm -hmm. I, I say, yeah, I'm a doctor. Now, but if a white guy, and, I, and this ain't white or black. This is just mm -hmm. any person. If he walked up to you in a white suit with a doctor's symbol on it and said, give me a needle and thread. I want to sew this lady up. You wouldn't question. Step one there is the mask that the actor wears should become his face. In order for you to get the full spiritual benefits, you must get the physical thing organized. And I say that because a lot of people like to say, the Almighty only has what's in your heart. And I say, oh, yeah, but if he didn't care about what's on your outward appearance and what you take in, he wouldn't have put them in books. He would have put it in your head. He put the revelations and the scriptures in physical things, and he named it two things. He called it kitab, which means to write, and he called it ikra, or Quran, which means to read. Which one must we do first? Mm -hmm. We must write, write what we're going to read. Okay. So therefore, there's certain things that we need to write. For instance, in your right hand, you're holding a pen, mm -hmm. and you need something to write upon. Mm -hmm. These two things come from the physical world. Mm -hmm. Once we get what you're thinking from the spiritual world transformed on the paper, then you're utilizing the spiritual. But where did you start from? 
You started from the physical. You understand? Yes. That's how he expects us to be. He expects me and you to get ourselves together physically, to prepare ourselves. That's why he told Moses, take off them shoes. This is holy ground. In other words, to get the full benefit of what you're supposed to do, you're going to have to obey the law. You mm -hmm. can't evade the law. And in the law, there's a dress code, a living code. Jesus said that. Not one jot, nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. But we don't want the law. We want to go straight to the spiritual aspect without the law. He told me we can't do it that way. We've got to do it the way it's been prescribed. No alteration. So the problem you're having with getting further and further spiritually is you got all the tools except total submission. Total submission to the will of Allah. You want to somewhat submit or work your way into it and he doesn't bargain he doesn't have to bargain with us <laughs> he put it in a book because he wanted you to get the physical part first then read it and understand what he's trying to tell us to do and if you got this desire for the spiritual that means that there's a spirit knocking on the door trying to get you into it that's your interest in it but you got to meet him more than halfway because he met me and you more than halfway aren't you healthy mm -hmm. and that's a gift nowadays with all the people that are not healthy so he cared a heck of a lot about you as an individual. Just it's all working limbs, all working your eyes, ears, and everything is working. He gave you already 75%. He's asking for 25 And we can't wrestle with him with it. We've got to submit. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of us believe that we could do a lot more from the outside than the in. I got things I want to finish in the world first. I got my family I got to take care of first. I got to finish my education first. Who are we talking to when we say this? You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the book. We're talking to that Heavenly Father. We're saying to him, Heavenly Father, I understand what you said I should do in the scriptures, but I got things that I got to finish doing on earth first. And then I'll be ready to totally submit, then can I come to heaven? That's what we're really doing. We're bargaining with him, and we're not in a position to bargain no more. We were in a position in the garden. That's why he confronted us and said to Cain, uh, where's our brother? He didn't have to. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? What did he tell him though? That he knows the day that you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. But when she bit the apple, what should have happened? But did she? He was compassionate. Jonah, he said, Jonah, go to the Babylonians, to Nineveh, Shemar, and teach them. Jonah said, I don't want to. Jonah got in a boat and tried to hide from the Heavenly Father. The people on the boat said, Jonah, I hope you can swim because we're throwing you out of here, Junior. Throw him in the water and a whale spit him out where he did not want to go. Is that compassion? The Lord, the Messiah, Jesus, said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. In other words, he's saying, oh, believe me, my spirit is really willing, father. My flesh is not, I can't deal with these nails. You Help me. And he delivered him from it. Is he not compassionate? He has all his prophecies at times. All his destiny interfered with the flow of nature for man. Because ain't no whale can harbor no person in their body. The acids in their system would kill the person. But instead, he prepared a whale for Jonah. A catchword is in there. He prepared this whale. This is a special fish because the almighty all did the very molecule structure of nature to make something happen specially. He destroyed the whole world. But he kept the root of man because he did it with water so that all of the fish, which are the mothers and fathers of mammal, would still survive. With all that he does, there is compassion in what he does for us. 
And then we tried to bargain with him. I'm going to become Muslim soon. I'm going to take my child. And he's got a few more questions I want to ask. Because he ain't asking me no questions. Because all I'm doing is quoting the scriptures. He's just saying, Lord, I, I'm with you. So far, things look good. That guy, that guy, the new, that new one, the Imam Isa, he's doing good. I like the way he does it. I like this one. He did a good job. Now, if you can, if you can solve these last four questions, Allah, I'll be in. <laughs> this is what y'all are thinking, but you don't realize you're thinking like that. You don't realize it. You're saying, you know, I got you, my mother's sick. You understand? I got to take care. Like, you don't understand your mother's sick. You know, like you, people say, my mother, you know, she needs help. Like, you don't understand your mother needs help. And they don't realize when they think, when we're, when, I shouldn't say they, when we're thinking like that, we're blaspheming. Because we're underestimating the power of the Most High just by saying, but I love my wife. I can't leave her. Like, he don't know that. I want my wife to convert to Islam. And I think that if I stay out and see with her two more weeks, or maybe four, I might be able to convert her. Like, he don't know that. So in one respect, we're saying, Almighty, all-knowing Father, who knows everything that's in our hearts, and knows the secrets of our aspirations, right? It's you I obey, but I got one more thing to do. I know you'll understand when I do it, and that's make sure I get my college degree. And that's what we do. Now, here's the men's biggest con. For you sisters sitting in there, I don't want to come in the mosque with nothing. I want to make sure when I come, I got something. Because I want to offer something. Because I don't want to come in and take away. Brother, stop lying. You're using that as an excuse to stay in the street. And you know you're using it as an excuse to stay in the street. Because there's nothing you can bring we don't really have. The only thing, I say, the only thing you can bring that we don't have is those Dunkin' Donuts. That means you. Everything else, we already have. And all you can do is help us get stronger in what we're doing. So stop buying time. And making excuses because there's going to be a day when you're going to be questioning. Because you're not obeying me. You're not about, I'm not going in. It's not my community. I tell you the truth. I wish I was sitting out there in the classroom so I'd have to make the decision. And I believe if I was sitting, I'd probably be making the same excuses. I ain't going in there yet. I got some things I want to do. First, I'm going to get it together in about six years. In fact, some brothers say, when the world going to end? They say, about how many years? 2030? Okay, I'll be in 2029. And 350 days. You can't play that game because it ain't real. And I'm telling you, that bargaining with Allah, you're going to be sorry on the judgment day. Because you you're making a pact with him like the devil did. The devil said, you spite me, watch me to the day of judgment. Making an excuse for judgment day. And Allah said, you got it. So every time you say that, you know what you sound like? When you say, I'm going to come in, just watch me, Allah, I got to get it together. You sound just like Iblis when he said in the God. He told Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, watch me. Until the day of judgment. Because I'm going to prove you that man is not worthy of your presence. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're making it look that way. Because we're going along with the devil. We know we like the things the devil produces. Tell the truth, don't we? Mm -hmm. All of us call ourselves righteous Muslims. But they take that color television out your house, you sit on the floor and cry like a baby. You took my, took my video. You took my tape recorder. If you can't turn the BLS, you'd have a, a nervous breakdown. I mean, not everybody. This don't apply to everybody. But this does apply to somebody. We got some things that the devil has offered us. It has the best of our souls. He has us. And the only way we're going to break it is to break it. We got to take that chance. You got to make that move. If you don't want to come here, go somewhere else. But do something. You all organize a community. But just don't be scattered out like you are. Too easy to pick you off. And stop bargaining with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You really don't have the time. Nor do we have the credentials to make a deal with the heavenly father. I'm going to get it together. 
I'm going as soon as I finish this. I'll be in there as soon as I get. We don't have those kind of credentials no more. He was so compassionate and loving. You know what I, I say? I've been saying this for years. The white man fed y'all pork, right? And he fed you the worst part of pork. The gut, the ears, the tail, the foot. Not feet, the foot. The intestines, the bowels. He even brushed your teeth with the big fur. You know what I'm saying? He, and you wash your body with his hook. But they used to make some soap out of pickles. While we were doing this to ourselves, the white man made a joke out of black people and watermelons. Made us look like it was a joke for black people to eat watermelons, only to find out that watermelons purify the stomach, keep the system flushed. And if the Heavenly Father didn't turn us into the rigid prior that the white person laughed at when they saw us eating watermelons, the filth that he would feed us in slavery, we would have never made it this far. But the Almighty loved us so much that while he was feeding your pork, the Almighty was making us eat watermelons. That's why we're here today and we're able to survive all the stuff this man does to us. Because we have an everlasting covenant. Because Allah says about Ishmael, the name Ishmael means I will hear. Ishmael comes from Sama'at. It means to hear or to listen. I will listen. Rabbana walakalhamd. Sami Allah means Allah does listen to those who praise or are grateful to Him. And for our sustainer is the praise. We say that in our prayer. And we are Ismail. He does hear us. Stop bargaining with us. Um, the last question that I have is just in terms of the end times and what you had said before that um, Jesus said He'd never leave us comfortless. How far does that go? It goes as far as us obeying his law. When we step out of his law, we are comfortless. People say, that means all of us. No, no, no. It only means people that are in the law. You understand? Because he gave us a perimeter to work with. You know, and it says, stay within that perimeter and you ain't got nothing to worry about. And we think we can step out the perimeter and still get his blessing. And it's just not true. Here's a guy, you know the thing people in the hospital, ex-drug addicts or winos, they live in the hospital, they're in the old guys. I just got hit by this train. I know I drink and I know I smoke and I know I curse and I know I've been killing people and I know I've been selling drugs and I know I've been stealing everything and I've raped four or five people and I've beat up a couple of cats and, you know, I kicked this cat down the street with those guys. Please forgive me. And they act like they should be forgiven. And then, when they don't get what they want, they're mad at God. If they get what they want, if he says, okay, what does Jesus say when he heals somebody? Now go and sin no more. They come out the hospital, go right back into their sin. They bargain. Please, God, what do we do? We run to him when we need him. And we as human beings, put myself with you, I want you to feel this. We as human beings get mad when someone calls us and you say, my sister don't never call me unless she wants something. How many friends you got that they contact you when they need? And you say, I ain't even seen that nigga. Now he wants something. Now, he, now he's calling it. Uh, is that not true? You know, they call you three or four days before Christmas to ensure a gift. They call you on the phone and say, you know, uh, how you doing? How's the kids? My birthday's Tuesday. And you get mad at that, but you don't expect the Heavenly Father to be mad at you because you do the same thing. You get in the hospital and you say, oh, God, I don't want to die. I won't use drugs no more, I promise. 
And you only call him when you need him. What about now while y'all are healthy? When you don't have no major problems. When you're not laying on a hospital bed. Why aren't you praising him now? No, you wait until you are in some type of stress. Then you call the Holy Spirit. Well, you should be calling the Holy Spirit every day to be a beacon of God's light to you. Go ahead. Really, the white man thinking his brain. He believes he's going to prolong all this long time. Or he, he doesn't have to. All he has to do is have more of y'all following him than Allah when the world ends. And that's it. That's his whole point to prove to Allah that y'all are not worthy because y'all will not come into God. He don't believe you're going to get destroyed. Oh, no. He knows the world is going to end. But he thinks that as long as he has more souls in his ledger than we have in our ledger, that he'll win. And based on what like the Quran says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, wal-asr, inna l-insana la fi khusr, illa al-lazina amanu wa'amilu salihat, wa tawasaw bil-haq, wa tawasaw bil-sabr. By that quote in the Quran, it says, wal-asr, by the time when man is separated from his body, Surely all human beings are losing. Based on the time of the end of the world, man is in a state of loss. Except for those who who work, to try to perfect themselves, Scripture says. And they spend their time trying to bring people to the reality and the facts of it. What the world so this brother. And they have patience and endurance in doing it. People come in, can't stay because things don't go their way. Or they're stolen, they don't want to protect themselves. And the Quran told us, Bismillahir Rahman or Rahim. Well love in Nalim Sanalafi Khus. It told us about that. Told us that man is going to be, when it comes time to judgment day, man is going to be running last. He's going to be losing the race. Because he's caught up in the things of dunya, the things of this world. And he doesn't even look forward to a spiritual life. He's caught up in taking care of himself in the physical world. And he's not even thinking about the God of the spiritual world. Um, my question is, if, if our purpose is to get back to the state where the Creator wants us, why are some brothers and sisters with the um, not being able to see the truth? Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it. Because the brother did a real good job. So the devil is the one who put the vet, the um, Yeah, the devil, the devil has done a good job of, of making them what to be who he is, and he's a failure. He's always, every one of his societies always looks rich and always fails. Rome, Greece, Mesopotamia, and, and this society here is beginning to fall apart, interior is falling apart now. Good right. the news. So our people are afraid as men to stand up on our own and build our own nation. We're just afraid to. We've been, made, been living under the white man so long that we'd be so comfortable under his arm. We're afraid to stand up on our own and go for it. And we can do it. It's just the white man that put the veil on the on the eyes so they won't see or hear. No, Allah, Allah, Allah will seal anybody's heart who seeks disbelief. 
If you want to find a reason not to be a Muslim, Allah will help you not be a Muslim. I see that. If you want to look for a reason to say, I'm going to find fault for you, my he'll help you find fault. I'm going to find fault for the community, he'll help you find fault. If you say, I want to find righteousness in a person, he'll help you find righteousness. If you look at a person and say, I'm going to find good in that person, he'll help you find good. If you look at a person and say, I want to find wrong, he'll help you find wrong. You, you can do it. Shukran. <laughs> You have been listening to The True Light, sponsored by the original Tens of Kidar, located at 717 Witchwick Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You are also invited to attend the Questions and Answers class every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Hall of Knowledge at 548 Park Street in Brooklyn, New York. And now, more profound than ever before, the Pathos of Peace, authored by the Master Teacher and Spiritual Guide, Essayed El Imam Isa El Hadi El Mahdi, Who's who on the planet Earth? The resurrection. Who was noble Drew Ali? Who was Jesus' father? Who was Marcus Garvey? St. Paul, disciple or deceiver, and much, much more. Also to aid your spiritual growth, we have a beautifully crafted hand-woven prayer rug designed by Esayid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. We also have a large assortment of prayer beads, Nubian and Sufi oils and incense. The original tense of Kidar would like for you to write or call us and let us know how the true light has changed your life. Remember, above all things, truth is true. This is from the 56th of the Holy Quran, the 8th And we also stay a complete for us our life. And forgive us, for surely you have the power over all things.
lived in that house. Whose house was it? Mary of Magdalene's house. His wife. He had children. His mother Mary had children before Jesus was born. And then he looked like the blessed mother Mary. was walking along and the parents jumped out of heaven on her. She had six other kids before Jesus was born. She wasn't no virgin. The prophet Isaiah said, a virgin shall give birth. Read the Bible, you find out that James, Joseph, Mary, and John, other children that Mary had before Jesus was born. So she wasn't no virgin. Why are they lying to you? Why are they Because you can't handle the truth. You don't want the truth. You're not living this lie. It's so convenient. But when you start pointing out the facts, people get upset. They get mad. They start calling you a blasphemer, anti-Christ. They got all kinds of names to call you, keep you from waking up people and showing them the truth. There is no such thing as no God sitting up on the throne with his all merciful love for you. No. You need that love because your parents deserve you. But you need a parent. So you make God a loving old man instead of all oh, <laughs> And when this God who controls nature does things that you cannot Justify as merciful Jesus. You block it. It didn't happen. We were talking about this the other day. A big windstorm took place the other day. You remember it? Yeah. So the nation was working. A woman and a man was walking along with their baby. The wife had the baby. This is the story. That's the And the wind got so heavy that the man, being a leader of the house that he feel or has been taught to believe, grabbed the baby from the wife, the whole baby. And the whirlwind snatched the baby out of the man's arms, and they have not seen the baby since. This is what I got in pocket. In Florida, a woman found her mom and a call the baby. This is last week. Right? She hit the ditch. And, and waves came through the car, grabbed the baby. They have not seen the baby since. Now, who's doing that? The devil? So the devil controls the weather. When it's sunny on your picnic, and y'all have a successful event, does the devil give you all the successful, uh, successful events? Who controls the weather? God or the devil? Who controls the tornadoes and the earthquakes and the floods and the landslides? Who is controlling it? God or the devil? Because when you get right down to it and find out how destructive it is, you don't want to even believe in God to do such things. But you know what? It's happening every day. Who makes the child born blind? 
Who made the child born without limbs? Who is responsible for Siamese twins? Join at the head and share one brain. And the family has to decide which one of these children will live. It comes a deciding factor between life and death on one of those children. Who controls those types of things? Who decides that if Jay is having a drive-by shooting and a little a man is walking with his daughter or son and bang, these kids are popping off these guns and a little kid. Have you heard that happening? Yeah. A lot. And the kid falls dead. Who's controlling that? That's all the devil, huh? No, it's not the devil. The devil doesn't have that kind of power. Read your book of Job. In order for the devil to do something devilish, he has to give God permission. The devil was once an angel also, who fell on great, but he did not have any power over Job until he made a deal with God. And even the book of Genesis, where Cain is afraid of being killed, for killing his brother, God assures him, when they kill you, I will put seven curses on them. The devil does not have the power to move without God's permission. You hear me? Read your Bible. The devil comes before God humbly. He bows before God. He gets permission from God. So again, I ask, who's responsible for the conditions of the world? Who's responsible for certain children being born into poverty? No, that's what I mean. I mean, when you go over to Africa, a rich land, rich in minerals and resources, and you take a people out of that condition and you bring them over to America or let it happen. Black people did it. The forces let it happen. And it planted them in America and in four generations they're on welfare. Don't have no money. Can't get jobs. Don't get fair education. I ask again. Who is letting this happen? And why? The devil? Again, you see, you got to give up this God devil crap because it's convenient for people. But every time something goes wrong, we blame it on the devil. Every time something appears to go right, we say thank you, God. Even to the point, like I said many times, where a car accident occurs and three people in the car die and one gets out, the person that gets out, the family says thank you, God. Forgetting the three other people that died. You know, like that crash I, I mentioned a couple of months ago? A helicopter crash. No, sorry. A, a, a car crash, and one man is on critical time, other people are dead. The family gets in a crash site. A helicopter comes in, puts the man in the helicopter, in the farthest way to the hospital. The whole family got hope, and the sorrowful helicopter gets caught in electrical wires and crashes, and the man dies. In who is responsible for that kind of stuff? The devil? Y'all that wake up realize we got to make things happen for ourselves.
when Jesus was talking about how far we are in heaven, he was making clear that his father was not on earth. And I'll take you to this Bible, and I'll show you where his father was on earth. What do we say? Genesis 4, 4, right? It's the story of um, Cain and Abel. I want you guys to pay attention to this case. Uh, let me start on our first thing, please. First thing I want you to notice in this uh, chapter is the use of the word Lord, which is Yahweh. They're not using God. And they're not using the Lord God. They stop using God in this chapter all the way up into the last verse. You see why? Very simple. Full of crap. I have to say that about your stuff. Let's look at this point. You don't mind taking the dog back off like you did. Alright. Let's take verse 5. When I became, under his fortune, he had not respect. And Cain was very worried of his anger. And his confidence fell. Now listen close. And the Lord, Yahweh, said unto Cain, Why? Why? God had to ask him, Why? Shouldn't God know? Isn't God the all knowing? Is this God talking, maybe? Or maybe not? This being talking to Cain didn't know why he was angry. Okay, watch. Why art thou worse? And why is thy confidence false? If, he adds, if, doesn't he know if he's going to do it? Is it God? Should he know? He said, if thou does well, shall thou not be accepted? By whom? I'm talking to God. Who has been sending on you? If he didn't do it, just so. Why is God making it sound like if he does good, somebody else is going to accept it? You with me? You see it? Is that on yes? Oh, yeah, y'all with me? Okay. Pastor, y'all can work with me now. And if thou does not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Sin is a him. Sin is a person, a male gender, not a it. It was in the verse. But him is now. Sin is not something the Christians talk about, or the Jews or the Muslims talk about. Some type of force, not according to this book here. And the Quran came from the Torah. Sin is a he, a person. That's what God said. And you can change it when you feel like it. Look up in the view. Now listen, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and Joseph. Could God have prevented that? Why didn't Why didn't God, he just got to talk to them the verse before, why didn't he just say, Cain, don't kiss your brother? Right. 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 You hear me? Right. Don't give me up. I know you're saying because I'm God. 
thou hast given me out this day from the face of the earth. You see that? And what? And from thy face. The word in Hebrew for faith, they put payun, but it's payin. A face or a service. He's saying to God, you have taken me off of this place, and I can't look at you face to face no more. God got a face, a face like yours, that Cain's looking at. It's going to go on to. I be him, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. This is kill me. Nobody is on the earth. Nobody on the earth. Just Adam, Eve, Cain. Because he killed Abel. Who is going to kill him? Who is he talking about? I'll tell you who he's talking about. The giants and the other beings that come to this planet. That were on this earth. The mighty Genesis chapter 6. Goliath seed. You know why Goliath seed? Because this Bible tells you they had six fingers and six toes. Women, you walk away with that. Six fingers and six toes. Nobody in this room got six full-blown fingers and toes. You know, Yeah. 
got no hundred day left. So the Old Testament is making prophecy for Jesus. Show me Jesus' name in the Old Testament. You got a name here. Why you got to be named again in the New Testament if you the same God Old Testament? Why? Why would you get the name Jesus as he was the Jehovah of the Old Testament? Stop kidding yourself. Let me go on. Now the end of the same thing is the uh, same chapter. It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, verse 25, and called his name Seth, for God said, I'm sorry, sorry, called his name Seth, for God said, she has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom came through. And Seth, like, where am I reading wrong? And to Seth, correct me up, to him also there was born a son. And he called his name Enos. You know what Enos means? A human being, a mortal being. You know what that up? Enos. What does it mean? A man. What the heck was being born before that? Right. And why would you name your son a man? I'll tell you why. Because the being before that were called Adam. And they were called God. And Enos never called the sons and daughters of man. The Enos sites. Right in the Bible. They will put you back to the Hebrew and you can buy the software and do it to compute yourself. And get the back and forth. Do it, y'all. And now listen to this. Verse 26. This is the last line. Read it with me. Then began men. Let's go back to verse chapter 4, alright? First, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. Guys, and Adam knew Eve his wife, right? And she what? Oh. 
a questionable deity. And the Lord, what did he say? My spirit, my rock, what? For that he also is blessed. How old that mean? What is that? Oh! <laughs> 
You know what you would do? You would, I know it's a men are laughing, but they really think they got to figure it out. You'd get into a fight. See, you thought I was going to say you'd knock out. You don't really know if you can beat your wife. You don't really know because she's been told to let you do that. Now, just suppose <laughs> when you swung, she grabbed your hand and bent your little pinky finger <laughs> till you was on the ground. How would you explain that to us, brother? Because <laughs> in the years that I've been in this community, I've seen brothers come back with scratches and say, well, we got a little scuffle. I said, little scuffle. <laughs> little scuffle. I mean, how did you get this scratch? Without the ducking and bobbing and weaving and made me do all this stuff else. How did you get that close? Well, you know, she, she snuck me. <laughs> a woman snuck you? She snuck me. When I woke up, then I told her, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> did you kill her? Oh, well, I had to go find something to put on my eye first. <laughs> Suppose she does beat you up. We'll never know how powerful she is because for centuries the concentration has been on suppressing her. I'm not saying I want no white lifting weights and becoming muscular. I'm quite sure you don't want no white woman on a Schwarzenegger. Maybe some of y'all, I don't know. <laughs> not everybody. Right? But you will never know how much they can help us as long as we don't allow them. We're never going to realize how slow we're moving until we put that other foot down on the ground and take that other hand from behind our back. You understand? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala 
You are now listening to the true light with Saqsaeed Ali Mamisa Al Hadi Al Mahdi in a live question and answer session. The Jesus Christ spoken of in the Bible, is this the Jesus Christ that we to look for in the end of the world, the one that's coming back? First of all, let's establish the word Christ. We have to start saying Messiah. You have a Bible with you? No, I don't. It's important when you come, you bring your tools. <laughs> if you open the Bible to St. John's chapter 1, verse 41, he first finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted Christ. You see that? Yes. Now, what did that mean? That means that these people who were Jesus' disciples, and Christians use this chapter to death. They use this St. John's chapter 1 to death. That Jesus' own disciples knew that he should have been called the Messiah and not Christos from the Latin. You follow? So now, yes. yes is the answer to your question, and no. Revelation 1 tells us that the Jesus that they're expecting to come will be like him, not him. Revelation chapter 1 reads, the revelations of Jesus the Messiah, and as you see, they have Christ, which the Creator, which they have as God, gave unto him, Gave unto who? To Jesus. Right? That's right. Show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now the first point is that with this teaching, Jesus is talking about his servant. Jesus told a woman in Matthew 15, the story when Jesus is dealing with a Canaanite woman, he told her he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. So his servants would have to be the tribe of Judah, the lost sheep. But he was talking to all the rest of them. You see? Now, to show unto his servants, which must shortly come to pass. Which means there's going to be a future tense here. Things that did not happen during his life, but things that was going to happen in the future. Now here's the catch. And he did what? He sent it and signified it by his who? His angel unto his servant John. Right? All right, brother. <laughs> so what happened here, and Christians tend to overlook, is that the revelation of Jesus, the Messiah, which the Lord gave unto him for his servant, Jesus sent it, signifying it with an angel unto John. This angel that Jesus sent it, signifying it by, was none other than the angel Michael, who has the power throughout the book of Revelations, like if you go to Revelation chapter 12, he has the power to defeat Satan. Chapter 12, 7, 
of Revelation, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. You see that? Yes, I see it. And the dragon fought and his angels. So here we have Michael and some angels of his who are fighting against this dragon and his angels. Who is the dragon and who are his angels? Well, eight says, and prevail not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So that means that these dragons and his angels was cast out of heaven at this point. And the great dragon was cast out. That old what? Serpent. Called the devil. And Satan. Which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. You see that? Yes, I see it. So Michael was an angel who was back there in the beginning. However... When these people deal with St. John chapter 1, that we go back to St. John chapter 1, and start from the beginning, we're going to see this beginning story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Creator, and the Word was the Creator. The same was in the beginning with the Creator. <laughs> you see? The angel Michael were back there in the beginning. And where the angels of Michael was the angel Gabriel, who was also back there in the beginning, who fought against Lucifer and his fallen angels. And the angel Gabriel was the angel sent to Mary to tell her that she was going to conceive of the Holy Ghost, which would be Jesus the Messiah. What people are looking for in the return of Jesus is the return of is Jesus setting forth an angel in his likeness. And people will mistake the angel for Jesus. You follow that? Yes, I do, brother. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Uh, I'm somewhat confused, but... This is Exodus I'm looking at, and there's a conversation between the Lord and Moses. Where are we at in Exodus? I'm in um, Exodus, I mean, yes, Exodus 3, the 13th verse. There's a long conversation between Moses and and the Lord is God, the Lord. The 13th says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. I better let that go at that. Like I said, I'm a little confused. What, what, tell me what confuses you. Pardon me? What part of it is confusing you? Well, I'm not a scholar in, uh, in the scripture. Yeah, I understand. Or in religion. Yes, so I just thought that I would uh, ask the question, since you spoke of Minister Farrakhan, and, and he said that God, the original man, is the black man, so that would mean that black man is God. And when I look in, um, in the Bible, I've searched God just about all my life, whether he was uh, black or 
Caucasian or whatever. So the question is, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, and Moses said unto God, Behold, right, when I come unto the children of Israel, yes. and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Yes, correct. All right, what is the question? And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me. All right. So now, the God who said back then to Moses was a man. Am I right? No. The Lord no. who was speaking this was not a man. No. Okay, so maybe... You know how you find out? Okay, maybe you could explain. <laughs> yeah, go back, to the, go back to the beginning of Exodus 3. Okay. You see the beginning of Exodus 3? Where are you? Exodus, Exodus 3. Now Moses. Now Moses. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. Yes. His father-in-law. This was in the land of Midian, right? Yes. And the priest of Midian. And he led his flock where? To the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even in Horeb. Right. Is that Horeb? Is that a... Uh, that's a place. That's a place? That's, where, a, that's a specific spot on a mountain where Moses received revelation. Where is that? It's in Sinai. But let's go on so we can hear what happens. Okay. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame. Now, who appeared to Moses? According to the angel of the Lord, sir. That's right. And the angel of the Lord was speaking out of the burning bush. Okay. The prayer I'm trying to make is many times in the scriptures, when it speaks of the Creator doing a specific thing, it always, the people who just read, shows you that the angels of Him is doing, the Malaik of Allah Ta'ala does his work. Right. And they were men. And they can personify as men. Okay. Certain ones. But they are angelic beings, Malaik. They have the power, if Allah grants, to personify as human beings. They are what you refer to when they get into the earth, earth's atmosphere as extraterrestrials. Yes, sir. You understand? Yes, sir. They reside in various pockets of the universe. They, they come from what's called the Crystal City. Which goes into a deeper thing. Alright? So it is quote in the Bible, when it's talking to Moses, speaking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's through his angel, either Mikael or Jibrael. In this case, it's Jibrael. They were the most powerful angels. The highest of all of the angelic beings from Malachite is Mikael. Because Mikael, like in, means like El. And that's from Elohim or Allah. He's like Allah insofar as he has the power to sustain himself on earth. He came to Abraham he, in the Torah in, in Genesis. He came to Jesus. He came to Moses. He came to Muhammad. He came as Hidr in the Holy Quran. He has Mikhail and he's called Melchizedek or Al-Khidr, Michael, okay? And then he has an intergalactical name, and his intergalactical name is Yanun. Every one of the prophets, 
when they are out of the physical and into the spiritual realm, has an intergalactical name. Esau's name is Sananda when he's out of this. You understand? Yes, so we're talking about angels who, are, who can personify in human beings as human beings and speak in representation of the creator of the heavens and the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? I hope, yes, I, I hope you understand it. Thank you. Thank okay. you for the clarification. Mm -hmm. Assalamu alaikum. Imam, did you meet Melchizedek at the junction of the two nouns, like the Mahdi? At the time when I was being brought to the consciousness of who and what I am, I met him at Tuti. Not knowing at the time who he was, I just thought he was an old man. And he told me at, that this thing, and whatever, I, whatever he said, if you'll have the sue of answers, think, and I'll be there. I never knew at the time he meant that he was going to be in me moving outward. I thought he meant that if you need me, contact me. Just like you would. If you need me, contact me, and I'll let you know. I didn't know that young in my life who or what I am. It took me until I was 40 years old to realize that I was speaking to a reflection of myself. I had no idea. Thank you. What, um, what purpose is the sacred ass in paradise? The sacred ass no purpose in what you know as paradise. But in the, in the celestial or crystal city, there is incense that burns. And the ash from the incense can be transported down to earth plane as a sign that this person is in tune with that higher city. There's a city above the earth called the crystal city which sometimes is mistaken for the mothership. The mothership or the ship that has the little ships in it come out of the Crystal City. Crystal City is a, right above the earth and has been there for centuries. And it's a whole city. You call it the city of Jerusalem when you say it's going to come down out of heaven, etc. So it is incense burning there, material incense as you know it. All right? And ashes from that incense is the, what comes down as what you call the sacred ash. Okay? Yes. I have one question here. What kind of battle will take place with Michael and Satan? And where will it take place? Question is, what kind of battle will take place with yes. Mikael and Shaitan? Or yes. which kind did take place? Because remember, they had a battle already in the heavens, in Malakut. And he was cast down. Okay? Well, the question is, what kind of battle will take place? In the latter day. Yeah. And this is understood that you have read throughout your scripture that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking you to get not less than and not more than 144,000 to be ready to be taken up in an isra like Rasulullah was, to be taken out of here before this with the four winds of the earth are let loose for destruction on the planet Earth, for Shaitan is getting a grip of the planet. He's asking for not more than and not less than 144,000 that will be taken up, taken up, it says in the scripture, literally, taken up and taken to the crystal city, Alurat, taken right to the Medina, and there they'll stay for a thousand years and be groomed by the elders. Shaitan and his wicked angels, the cherubim, are going to try to come into that city to destroy that city and those special people 
taken from earth to be gowned in white, him and his cherubim are going to try to take the city of the seraphim. You understand? Yeah. But they will be trapped. They will be buried like the story of Job. And then you will be cast into the earth because you have a central city in the center of your earth. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. You have a central sun. There's a city in the center of the earth called Akhrata. And the capital of the city is called Shambhala. And the temple where they keep Satan trapped with that hexagram is called Wahala. He likes Muslims to rise a pentagram, which is a five-pointed star. But you can be trapped in that hexagram. In the six-pointed star, you can trap Satan. He'll be kept in that city for a period of time. The so-called meridian, as they call it, the thousand-year period, that that 144,000 will be kept in the celestial crystal city to be groomed to get their godlike or divine qualities back in them before they descend back to earth with the Lamb, which will be the angel Michael who will bring them back to earth. You see, Shaytan, like he mentioned in Revelation, is going to try to get up to that new city of peace and try to destroy that abode. That abode is called Darul Islam in the Quran. The abode of peace is not on earth. And in it are angels, they say in the Quran. Hariya. Those are seraphim and the master, the awalina, the Quran says, the ancient ones. They are there to teach and try to get you prepared to come back in because you have to wipe away this earth and wipe away this heaven and bring in a new heaven and a new earth. So the battle will be fought because Satan is going to try to invade that very city, the crystal city, but shall be cast into the pit of the earth and down into the center of your planet. Like I said, there's a city. Inhabitants of the city are from Mu Lemuria, they're from Atlantis, they're from the Mayan people, different people were, who were taught by extraterrestrials or angelic beings and were taken into these cities. And they're there now, and the devil knows about it. And they would not even be on earth had it not been for 1945 when you people dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and it frightened the Galactical Brothers. Because you almost cracked the earth. So the angels had a meeting and came to the surface. You call them angels. Call them what you feel like. Came to the surface and said, we got to prevent the serpent seed. We call them the serpent person. The serpent and his seed from destroying you before you are ready. Before you are prepared. Before you are transformed back into a spiritual being. We got to stop him from destroying. The other night when they saw that green light, and he said it was, he, it was a meteorite. No, better yet, I think it was a meteorite. It wasn't a meteorite. I told y'all the ships are coming. I told you they're here. He didn't say it was a meteorite. There's no such thing as a green meteorite. Go back and study astronomy and show me somewhere where he told you about a green meteorite. He told you about pink stars, blue stars, and white stars. He never spoke about no green star. On a green meteorite, and what kind of gas burns green? They burn blue, they burn yellow, they burn amber, but not green. Somebody's lying. So the battle that you spoke about between the elders is between those being prepared, the seraphim, under Mikhail, to suppress the cherubim, which is the 200 fallen angels, and 
you people on earth who are left behind because you don't come in and get prepared to make the transition from this state to the sacred city, you're going to be the playground of the devil. Do you know that the planet earth used to be a hunting ground? That the, the cherubim used to come here and hunt prehistoric animals to laser lights and kill them just for the fun of it? You have not only positive angelic beings visiting the planet, your galaxy is called Terra. It's called Terra. All right? That's the galaxy you're in. You're on what's called Zorkaya. Zorkaya is the name of your planet. All right? You have extraterrestrials. They become extra when they get inside here. Visiting you, all of them are not positive. Some of them are called Jinn. From the Ifrit mentioned in the Quran, Solomon had big battles with these jinns who would come in and land here, and they infiltrate man and corrupt the world. They mutilate animals. They come down and they mutilate animals. They hunt for the fun of it. They make themselves seen as UFOs, and they hunt. They take people up. They abuse people. And then there are other galactical beings who are fighting against them, trying to get you people prepared, but you keep rejecting. You want all this fiction religion. You want to believe that Muhammad came with this new type of religion. When Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in contact with extraterrestrials, when the angel Jibra'el, salam alaykum wa rahmatullah, came to the prophet Muhammad in the cave, he came as light, he came as an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian being, and he came to Rasulullah Muhammad as light, and told Muhammad that man has fell away from the most important commandment. Who created him? And when? So he told Muhammad, you better go back and ikra. Ikra bismirabikalaghalatu. Go back and read in the name of the very creator. You follow? But man refuses. Man rejects. He's been tempted by the devil. And the devil and his seed is here, like I explained earlier. And man loves him. And like it says in the Bible in Revelation, he wants to even live in the image of the beast. I would like to know, why was um, the devil sent to another planet? Well, two questions. Why was the devil sent to another planet? And also, why, why is he captured? Why do they have to catch him and take him to Shambhala and bound him for a thousand years, destroying him? Because energy cannot be destroyed. You can only alter its appearance. And what a lot of human beings don't realize is that what they call the devil, was once an angel, Malak, and he was created of Nair, a or a poisonous type of fire. It's not the same fire as you find on earth, but it's, for lack of a better word, that's all they can use. And you cannot destroy energy. You can only alter its appearance. Or you can refrain it. You can discipline it. You can confine it. Or you can channel it. Now, nowhere has it been said that he was sent to another planet. It was said that he has left this planet and has gone on to another planet. It has not been sent. You don't send the devil anywhere. You have to trap him. And he's trapped by what's called the hexagon, which is the symbol of the six-pointed star. Muslims all over the world... Well, I shouldn't say that because most Muslims out of America don't use it. 
mainly you find American Muslims who use a five-pointed star and crescent. Don't realize that it's a symbol of the devil. They think that the five-pointed star and crescent is a symbol of Islam because Elijah Muhammad or because Noble Ali or because some other brother told him that, and those brothers were misinformed about the symbol of Al-Islam, which is confirmed by the fact that in Holy Quran, it tells us that all of the prophets of Allah were from Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on back to Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah, on back to Moses and all the way back to Abraham, all were of one text, one scripture, be it a suhuf or al-hikmah or Torah or Zubur or Injil or Al-Quran, they're all one scripture from one sustainer of all the boundless universes who is Allah Ta'ala. You understand? Yes. Therewith, then Dawood, David, who received the Psalms, was a Muslim, as the Quran confirms. You follow? Yes. And the five-pointed star is not identified with any of the prophets of Allah in any of the scriptures, including the Holy Quran. There's no mention of a use of a five-pointed star by Muslims. However, it is understood through the Torah and mentioned the utilization of the six-pointed star, the hexagram that Solomon used to trap the jinn the Quran speaks of. You see? So he builds his empire on a pentagram. Or when he takes a country, he puts a new five-pointed star on his flag. The eye you see on the back of the dollar bill over the pyramid is the symbol of Nimrod. You see. They knew that the elders used to use the pyramids to travel intergalactically. They knew that. They know how all the pyramids are hooked up magnetically a perfect distance apart. They know that what you refer to as a Bermuda Triangle is really a pyramid than a magnetic wave. They know these things. And they put the eye of Nimrod there. And that is their God. That's the one that was crucified. That's who was born December 25th. Isa Ibn Maryam, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Where did they get this snow in Jerusalem stuff? I don't know. I mean, they made it up. Because they were talking about in the Caucasus Mountain where there's snow. There. <laughs> Not in Bethlehem. You see? All right. Thank you very much. Well, then, I'd like to ask you, uh, the Universal Brotherhood of Muslims, uh, in our book, Adam's Calendar, is that the same brotherhood that you were speaking about previously? The Brotherhood of the Elders? Yes. Yeah. The Brotherhood of the Elders are called the Brotherhoods of Peace. Darul Islam is one of the names of the Christian city. Right? right? If you open the book of Revelation to the seventh chapter, you see it? Yes. And after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. These are the four ships holding the what? Holding the four winds of the earth that what? That the wind should not blow on the earth. That's right. Nor on any tree. Go ahead. And I saw another angel descending 
from the from the east, having the seal of the living God, created. And he cried with a loud voice of four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our creator in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. The notice what tribe they start off with. Number five. Because many people say to me, is this Israel? And I say, no. Here's why. But they don't start off with the first son of Israel. They start off with? Judah. And of Judah. And of Judah were sealed 12,000. Then they add, when you get to the seventh chapter, they add Levi. You see? And Levi was not one of the tribes. That was a priest tribe. They add Manasseh, the son of Joseph. You follow so it's, it's not talking about the tribes of Israel. It's talking about people like the tribes of Israel. Now, in Hagar, you know, go past the, the, uh, the tribes and read nine. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. This is after the thousand-year period when the righteous come forth. After the 144,000 have been groomed in the city, in heaven, as you call it, then our people will come together and look up, all of them. And what's going to happen? We then And cry with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our Creator, which sit upon the throne and onto the land. That throne they're talking about is a sacred city. Go ahead. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped Allah, saying, Amen. Blessed and glory. Amen meaning it's over. Amen. It's over. Go ahead. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be on, and might be on to our, our Creator forever and ever. Amen. No more devil power at this point. Go ahead. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? Who are not by you people? The elders ask, well, who the heck are they? They're not angels. Who are they? Who has to answer? And then came there. Where they come from? How they get into the sacred city? Who are they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of, of the law, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of water. That's called Kothar, fountains of water in paradise. And the Lord shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is what you're working for. The world 
destruction of this planet has been held back for you. Those people will get the seal of the Father in their head by consequence of prostration. Not those who will get the seal of the beast in their forehead or in their hand. But they'll tell you, how will they down themselves? What does the master say they look like? In number nine? White. white robes. They know who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. They're waiting for you. You understand that? No. And they'll take you to the throne where you sit in the midst of the righteous. And the very presence of the Most High will be there. You feel His presence in the land. And there'll be no more devil reign or devil power. It'll be over. This is what you're working for. Most people don't want to get there. You have been listening to The True Light, a question and answer session with Saeed Al-Imamisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. Do you want to know the truth? Can you face the truth? Be sure to read the most dynamic books in history, authored by Saeed Al-Imamisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi, on such subjects as, what is a Muslim? Where is the tabernacle of the Most High? Should Muslims observe the Sabbath? Was Christ really crucified? Who was the comforter? Now let us return to the true light with Said al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Remember, you are the light and you have the power over all things. Okay, in Exodus 34, 33, um, I read, um, until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Um, I was wondering what's the purpose of this veil and if the veil will always be necessary for uh, women to wear um, and was it always necessary for women to wear because like in Egyptian art, I never see that with women wearing the veil. Why? You know why? No. What language are you reading? Hmm? What language are you reading the dictionary in? English. And who mostly wrote them? Pardon me? And who are usually the writers of those dictionaries in English? English people. Or Americans. Americans. And they're not going to have y'all reading the Bible where it says a woman should wear a veil because then, see, the, let's look at this. Somewhere along the line, the Catholic Church tends to relate to the way Muslim women dress all the way up until they're covering their face. But somewhere along the line, in their doctrine of the Catholic Church, which is supposed to be the oldest church of the Christians, they seem to understood years ago that a woman's supposed to stay covered, head and everything. That's why they had the nuns dressed that way. Then another thing, inside of a Christian marriage, we have what? When you get ready to marry, what does a woman put on? White veil. Long white dress and a veil. veil. If she doesn't wear white, that means she's not a virtuous woman like the 31st Proverbs. That means she gave up her virginity before she got married, okay? So therefore, she would not wear a veil or a white robe. She could wear any color, right? But they're telling you by that that the long white dress and the veil is a symbol of purity. Next question is, did I make this up? <laughs> but first, let me answer your question. The reason why Moses had a veil is because Moses' brother, Harun, which we know as Aaron, was sanctioned by the Heavenly Father to become the high priest over all the children of Israel. 
And if you look up in any biblical dictionary at the dress of them, the so-called ancient rabbis, you see a kiflin. A kiflin is much like a shawl that they wore over their heads. If you see any Jews in their churches or synagogues today, you'll see the same thing. They wear it over their heads and it comes down past and has little lines of blue and little tassels on it. You, you know what I'm saying? That has been the God of the ancient Israelites for centuries. So when Moses had finished talking to the children of Israel, he took his shawl and threw it over his shoulder, which would be covering his face, or like you see him out of sometime from the desert, and they were definitely in the desert, <laughs> take the shawl and wrap it around his face and turn and walk away. You've seen that before, right? This has nothing to do with the Bible veil. The Bible veil, let's go back to Genesis, chapter 3, verse 7. And if we read it, we'll see. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. That's not there. That just means begin all things with the illustrious name of Allah, the Yildah, the most merciful. And their eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And what did they do? Those did leave together and made themselves aprons. Made an apron. They did not make a full garb. They made a short thing, an apron. An apron is something that does not go beyond the knee or above the breast. Now move to the same chapter, chapter 3, verse 21, and watch the Heavenly Father let her know that a short dress is improper dress. The garb of the veil is something that the almighty creator of the heaven and earth is going to make them put on. Watch it. Turn and read that. 24, you said? Nope. Chapter 3, verse 21. Oh. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. I understand that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now here we see that they had taken upon themselves to dress a specific way which was identified as an apron, partial, and then the Almighty made them cloaks of skin. A cloak is a total cover. You follow that? Mm-hmm. And cover them. So the veil started way back with Adam and Eve. Had nothing to do with Rasulullah Muhammad and the sections of the Holy Quran which identify with it. You see? Mm-hmm. But people have this tendency of trying to make people think that the wearing of the veil started in Islam and started with the Arab people and was a custom. And they are lying because it's not where it started. If you turn to Genesis 24, verse 64. 64? Yep, 24-64 of Genesis. Mm-hmm. We're going to see where Rebecca. We'll read it and see what we come up with. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the candle. Camel. Off the camel. 
uh, for she had said unto the servant, What man is that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Uh, so what did therefore, she do? Therefore, therefore, she took a veil and covered herself. You see? Mm-hmm. Now, here we're talking about Rebecca. Way back in the Old Testament, during Abraham's time, this Rebecca was to become Isaac, one of Abraham's son's wife. Now, she belonged to the family of Abraham to his brother. And when she saw Isaac, which is one of her relatives which they married back then, coming through the field, she knew he was a strange man to her. So what did she do? She covered herself. She covered her face. Now, to verify that the children of Israel did wear those veils, if you see in Isaiah 3, Isaiah 3, 18 to 23, It'll tell you also that all the Israelites at one time were availed. But because they transgressed against the law, subhanahu wa ta'ala, their veils and their tassels and their earrings and their nose rings were taken away. Now you read it and it says what? In the day the Lord will take away the bravery of thy, of thy tinkling ornaments about thy feet and their curls and their round ties like the moon, I mean their crescents, oh. their chains, their bracelets, mm-hmm. and their mufflers, and their bonnets, their headpieces, the children who took them off, mm-hmm. and the ornaments of their legs. Now you see the Jewish people wearing short skirts, and their, and their headbands, right? Mm-hmm. And the tablets, they don't read the scriptures no more, mm-hmm. and their earrings, and their nose rings, mm-hmm. and what else? And changing suits of apparel, oh, mm-hmm. and a mantle, and the what? Wimples and the crisping pins, mm-hmm. the glasses, and fine and the fine linen and the hoods and the veil. The last thing they took away from Israel was the the veil. See, they stripped them because they transgressed against the most high. The children of Israel have lost the right to wear all the stuff you see those guys on forty second dressing. Stand down there with all that stuff on, right here in Isaiah tells them they can't wear that no more. And the so called Amorite Jew the so-called Hasidic Jew, he knows that. His women wears a wig with a bald head. They don't wear the gloves no more. They don't wear the white. They don't wear the nose ring. They don't wear none of it. The only thing they retain the right to wear is the locks and the beard. And they've changed the color of their clothes from white to black, knowing that throughout Israel they wore shining white. Says it. You follow? Yeah. Now, if we go to the Holy Quran, which is what which we should seal this with, the 24th chapter, the 31st verse, and read it. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, 24:31. It says, and tell the faithful women that they are to lower their looks, their eyes, and guard their private parts and don't display their bodily ornaments except what appears thereof and make them wear their face veils over and down their bosoms. In their translations, they have cut all that up. As you read yours, read yours and see what it says. From the beginning? Yes, please. 
and say to the bleeding women that they cast down their looks and guard their private parts and do not display their ornaments except what appears, what appears thereof, and let them wear their head coverings over their bosoms. See how they did that? Yeah. They took out words, and out of it we get what and quote, say or tell little menage, those faithful women. You see that? Yabudna, that they are to not be pious. Lower the eyes. Don't be staring men in the eyes seductively is what it means. Lower men of the Sarahina. Lower their sight. Don't be, don't be lustful and aggressive towards men other than your own man, of course. All right? Well, that word from El Hatasu, which means, and they are to protect or guard Guruja Punna. All of their private parts, that's their bust, their vaginal, their, not, their shapes of their body, their voluptuousness is supposed to be something sacred and it should be protected. That word there is Guru Jahunna. You see it? Walla and do not, wa and la, don't, walla and do not, yubdeen. Don't make scene, don't display, don't allow, don't let it be seen. What? The name that any of their bodily appearance, which means not only are they supposed to wear loose garments, but they're not supposed to let things be seen like a slit down the front where you can see what they refer to as uh, the shape of their bust, or stuff so tight that you can see, you know, it, not only don't show your body outright, but don't even let the, what do you call it in English, the image of it be seen, the shape. You know, like in other words, a person could be standing in front of you naked, or a person could be standing there with clothes on and so tight she might as well be naked. He's saying don't do either one of those things. Alright? Illa except for ma what zahar. What already appears, which is necessary, which means except for what appears, your hands and your feet. Those things, minha, except for what appears, right, they say, zahara minha, except for what appears naturally, in other words. All right? I don't see that. That's because they have it as, except for what, how do they, how do they read it there? Uh, here it says, except to their husbands or their fathers. That's because they added husbands and fathers. The word husband, you know, zoage, and fathers, uh, Abu or, is not even in there. They just added that in to imply that you can, around your immediate family, you can expose your body. That's what it meant. But it's not in there literally. They just put that in so they can convey their point. Okay. Okay. Then it goes, right? And that you should be forced to see that? Darabha is the Arabic word to hit or to strike, to hit somebody. And you should make it hit. Now, what are we talking about? There's a whole subject of the whole thing. Be humari hina. Hina on the end is hers. The word khimar means a face veil, but the root of it means a covering, khumra, to be covered or blocked or screened away. The Holy Quran in the 
What does it mean he's not a reader? He does not know how to read. That's right. Of my own, I cannot do anything. So the angel says to him, which is now the 96th chapter of the Holy Quran, and it can be mathematically equated in a way that's unbelievable. Alayha tisafahashama. Over it is 19. Gibran says to Rasulullah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Begin all things in the illustrious name of Allah. He is the yielder, the most merciful. Read by way of using the name of Rabbika, your sustainer, Alladhi who khalaka, who created. Khalaqal insana min alaq. He created all forgetful creatures, insan, people, man, min alaq, from sperm gushing forth and dividing up. Ikra waraduka al-akram. And we like this, Muhammad, by way of your sustainer, who is karam, who is so generous. Alladhi alama bil qalam. He is which has alama taught bil qalam by using a quilt or a pen. Alama al-insana malam ya'lam. It is who has taught you forgetful creatures what you could not on your own have learned. Those are the first five verses of the revelation that came to Rasulullah. He put the words in his mouth so that Muhammad would not speak of himself. He made sure that Muhammad just repeated exactly what was being said. So he had no opinion. And Muhammad are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the Anointed One. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddid, the Reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio.